0: Is The Current Buzz, a podcast powered by Oklahoma Electric Cooperative and OEC Fiber,
1: dedicated to teaching you what makes us different?
0: Welcome to another episode of The Current Buzz. Kayla and I are here back in the vault with the video. You can watch us on YouTube or you can listen to us where you get your favorite podcasts. And today we have some special guests.
1: Yeah, we are here with Nick Shoemaker and Bobby Herring. Uh, We are here also to talk about the ACES project. So the ACES project is something we've been working on for a while. We have the masterminds here with us to learn a little bit more about the project. So Nick, can you kick us off and tell us a little bit more about the ACES project, the vision behind it, where that started and where we are today? And and maybe even before that, if you
0: could tell us who you are.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yes, I can I can do both. So uh, I am Nick Shoemaker. I am our manager of system engineering. That means I am our head electrical engineer. I do all of our... I manage and program all of our outside technology that we use on the grid. Uh, I manage our entire renewable portfolio. And then I serve on NRACA's National Board for Reliability. So I'm very big uh, and interested and passionate about making electricity more reliable for people in Oklahoma and across the United States. So ACES is uh, something that I've been working on basically since I started my tenure 10 years ago last week um, of trying to develop a smarter utility. So for the 90 years that electric utilities have existed, there just has not been that much change or really thought put into reliability, I would say. Uh, The system doesn't give people a lot of information and Utilities in general are reactive, so we only really fix something once it's broken, people are out of power, and we have to deal with it in that moment. And uh, that's true today. A lot of utilities, that's the way they treat things. Um, only once they see something that's failed through either an outage or it's broken but maybe hasn't caused it an outage, do they go and fix it and update it and things like that. So kind of our first step was being more predictive. Um, we kind of set up a data science lab to really look at What's causing outages on our system? Where are they? What materials are they? We would even track it uh, down to the fact of like we bought these certain materials in these years and they have a higher, higher failure rate. Um, and then we started to go out and try to hit those things as, as they entered their end of life, um, but hadn't failed yet. So they had used up all of their resources and we could change them out. On our own schedule, um, very quickly, instead of in an outage scenario, where maybe uh, people are an hour or two away, or it's the middle of the night, or it causes and it causes an outage, um, and we call that system hardening. We've been doing that for the last six years, and by doing that, we have reduced our outages by seventy-seven percent this year, uh, which has um, put us in the as one of the top utilities in the entire United States, which uh, anyone who's lived in Oklahoma knows. Those other states that we're competing against do not have the weather events that we have. (laughs) Um, We're always in the top three states in terms of lightning strikes. Uh, You know, two of the five largest tornadoes in U.S. history uh, occurred entirely within OEC's footprint. Uh, We have ice storms, high winds, you know, everything uh, that you can think of. So, you know, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. (laughs) Um, But... Um, through doing that as well, we started to deploy more smart technology. Um, it gave us a couple of things. One, it gave us insight into what's actually happening on the system, you know, real-time data that we can use and put into our models um, and have uh, our our full-time control room, you know, real, real grasp into the system. Uh, but then it also gave us control over the system that we never had before. Um, we... Before we couldn't turn things on and off, uh, you know, as you'd have to have someone go out there and manually do it, which can take 30 minutes, 60 minutes, an hour and a half just to make one switch where now we can hit a button and have that happen. Um, And as we did the system hardening, we also deployed this technology knowing there was a place in the future that we wanted to be, which is now where we are now with ACES, which stands for Adaptively Controlled Electric System. So we kind of went from a reactive stance to a predictive stance to now an adaptive stance. So with these uh, smart devices out there, um, they head end at a computer that we've programmed with logic in it. And when an outage happens now, it will look at the entire system that the ACES project covers. Um, today, it covers about 10% of the total membership of OEC. Um, and it will, when an outage happens, which um, you know we've gotten really good at reducing our outages, but some outages are completely outside of our control. Um, The grid at large can go down, um, and we don't do maintenance on that. We can't control the way that those people work on those things, Um, and we just kind of have to deal with that. And also, there's just some things that no matter the amount of maintenance that you do, that you can't protect against. Um, You know, at least a couple times a year, someone's going to run a car into our 130,000 poles. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lightning strike might hit directly a pole. Tornadoes, you know, there's just things that you can't necessarily, you can mitigate against, but you can't completely stop. So we're always going to have some level of outages. And with this, now we can either completely remove that outage um, or we can get the, you know, we can kind of isolate that outage to a particular part of our system um, and get other people back online um, kind of within seconds. Um, The next speaker is going to talk about some of the actual events that we've had. So it's not just, we think this is what this is going to do. This is what this does. Um, So.
0: Uh well and that's that's perfectly said you know our our last podcast we talked about our Sadie score about system hardening about reliability and on the from the consumer's side from our member's side that seems like something that would be really easy but to really do it at this level which is why this Aces project is so incredible it's a lot of work it's a lot of behind the scenes and it's a a combination of not just the engineering side but to your point, what we're doing on the maintenance and the operation side, which is a perfect lead in <laughs> to our next star, uh, Bobby Herring. Bobby, tell us a little bit about your tenure with co-ops and your current job and, and um, all the stuff.
3: Well, for sure. Um, I'm Bobby Herring. I'm the manager of maintenance and uh, control room. Um, basically, my team and I are the ones that put Nick's ideas and uh studies that's kind of where the rubber meets the road is the best way to put it i guess um nick nick had does all the the studies comes up with all the data for us and we put it into play for the members um so a couple of he's, he's mentioned system hardening we go through the feeders at entirety um we start from the substation and hit every pole every transformer uh doing upgrades um like he said earlier Trying to be more reactive than proactive, or excuse me, proactive than reactive, uh, recognizing issues and um, taking care of those before they actually fail. But um, a couple of the ACES events, since that's kind of what we're focusing on now, that, that I would like to touch on. We've had two different uh, events. One of them was the first one back in October of 21, um, probably. What two or three months after the system went online?
2: It was the same week the system went on. Okay. It away. Yeah, I should have said that the system's been in place since uh early early October of last year. So yeah. it's so relatively new.
3: So we did have a um, our power provider, the grid went down, and uh within seconds we had a entire feeder uh backfeed itself. And it was the first one for us, so we were like, Whoa, what just happened? you know. But basically that got fourteen hundred, little over fourteen hundred people back on within seconds. Wow. Which normally would have took us, you know, by the time the crew gets we get the calls, the crew gets dispatched and they get on site, you know, anywhere from thirty minutes to an hour. So um that that, that outage would have been approximately twenty two minutes and it was back on within seconds. So that's that's pretty impressive in itself. And then we had one in December to where uh Back to like Nick said, we had a car hit a pole uh, off of a feeder, and that would have been a about an hour and a half outage. And it ended up being another one within seconds, and that affected a little over 300 of our members. So it's it's super neat to see all the pieces of the puzzle come together. Like I said, we come in and do all the maintenance, you know, trim the trees, change the poles. Uh, put lightning and animal protection up and these are just taking um, other avenues of things that we can't control and then helping not necessarily control it but minimize it is is kind of the idea of it i always use the uh, example of if we have a feeder that has a thousand people on it and we've got a device halfway down it and that's kind of what we try to do is cut it in half and then an event happens basically half the people don't even know there's an outage Within seconds.
0: Support for this podcast is provided by Sublime Signs, a locally owned and family operated custom sign studio, offering outdoor durable signs, banners, large format digital printing, and more. Powered by OEC Fiber at a new location in Norman at 3557. National Drive, and sublime-signs.com.
3: So that, that cuts the numbers in half. It helps not only restore it quicker, but it also helps isolate it so we'll know exactly where to send our crews.
0: Which, like, that to me, the the way that we're leveraging technology just blows my mind because it's not just, I mean, that point you just made, I want to really emphasize because it's not just that half the members don't even know there's an outage. It's that it's even cutting your team's, the the amount of time it takes us to restore the actual outage in half as well Yes, because we know exactly where it is. It's
3: taking what we typically have done over the years manually, doing it automatically, and then also pointing us in the right direction. So that way it streamlines us getting there, resolving the issue and getting the power back on. So, pretty exciting stuff really. Yeah, that's
1: incredible. <laughs> can you guys talk a little bit about, um, you know, connectivity is really important in this kind of instance because you guys need to know the minute that somebody hits that pole, the minute that something disrupts that power, can you guys talk a little bit about the connectivity and where we were previously um, and what Fiber has done for for the AC power?
2: <laughs> Yeah, I can take that. So, um, uh, As we've designed this over the last 10 years, uh, you know, kind of this always has an end goal of where we wanted to be. Uh, Dealing with communication is one of the hardest things uh, I think I've ever had to deal with. Um, We just had... I just want
0: to emphasize that. Communications is hard. Dealing with (laughs) communications is hard.
2: Um, And can be very frustrating. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I mean, from uh, kind of the system that we had in place, we realized... Um certain things were not installed correctly. Companies went out of business, so we had to scrap entire technologies. Um, I looked to make an adjustment on one of our communication towers and uh, it ended up failing. and so I had to spend a year and a half building an entire communication tower that still, uh, the connectivity's not great. It's slow bandwidth, it's not up all the time. Um, which is fine for some things, but like this, kind of Kayla, like you said, when something happens, you need to react immediately. And the system is looking at the rest of the system. Um, so each time it, it solves uh, an outage, it's uh, coming up with its own unique pathway to solve that. So it's making sure we don't cause ourselves more problems somewhere else by overloading or doing something that's improper. So it really needs quick communication from and everything. Um, there's other ways to accomplish kind of what we're doing. Uh, with lesser communication, but you're going to have to give up stuff. You you know you have to make concessions. But um, you know our partnership. So all of these devices are run uh, with OEC fiber. So we have direct fiber connection to every single device that we have. That a uh, makes installation and management so much easier than dealing with a third party vendor. Um, but also that you know microsecond uh, um, you know because you're protecting against. The speed of light, which is the fastest thing in the world, which you can't ever beat, but you gotta be pretty quick to get into these kind of time frames that we're talking to about solving this. So um It would
3: have never worked with the cell phone technology that we were using Not the way
2: that we're doing previously. it. It would not have been um as successful. So um, you know, this this ACES project is um certainly the most advanced project of its type in Oklahoma and one of the more advanced in uh, the entire United States, I know the company that we were working on was working with a major university and one of the largest um, cities in the United States. Um, and our project, they were doing similar type stuff, but our project just due to the communication was so much quicker, easier to deploy, cheaper to deploy. Um, our, ours ended up being years faster and you know maybe a million dollars cheaper because they didn't have to do all this work around with other technologies. Um, and they have teams of engineers, um, uh, you know, uh, and we just had me and Bobby. <laughs> um, and we were able to deploy ours faster and it's more advanced and they could not say enough about, um, you know, the system that we had in place to put it on and the communications that we had in place. So, yes, without without OEC Fiber, this project would not exist in the iteration that it's in.
3: I remember our our first meeting with them and when we told them that we actually owned... high-speed fiber, you know, that was a subsidiary of us. Their eyes just lit up. They're like, oh, this is going to be cool. So they were were super excited about that.
0: Well, and that was one of the things that I even underappreciated on the front end. So we launched OEC Fiber because there was a true need from our members, right? We had members who were chronically either unserved or underserved. But what we did first, which was so genius, is we ran high-speed fiber to your points to all of our substations. Right. So even before we ever hooked up a single person, we had this remarkable technology to communicate, which we're now building, not just this iteration of the ACES project, but but really what we've built so far is really the foundation, right?
2: Absolutely, yes, uh, it's, and it's, uh, we're gonna let it test for a while, obviously, uh, but it should be very easy to deploy across our entire system because with the system hardening, We put all the technology in place. We have all the communication in place. It's just about uh, doing some design work and um, uh, kind of using what we've learned to extend it. But it should be um, very exciting, hopefully to uh, rapidly expand. Um, And we just need a couple more data points before we do that, because this (laughs) deals with very large outages. And uh, the good and bad, hopefully we don't have any large outages, but we need those large outages as kind of input to to make sure that, you know, when we deploy it, it's the best version that it can be.
3: We sit down before we harden any feeder um, as a team and look at a lot of different aspects of it. And one of them being where we're going to install smart devices at. And not only for uh, functionality at that moment, but what's it look like in the future? You know, is is this a feeder that, you know, not every area is uh, a good candidate for ACES, but the majority of them are, I feel like, in the future. Uh, obviously, with the growing, you know, needs and um, people really like electric, you know? <laughs> and we become more and more dependent on it as a society. So um, we sit down and kind of analyze the whole system and try to put those smart devices in places. Like I said, not only for today's functionality, but for future. And if you know, if it if it works out to where that area is one that we expand aces to in the future great we're already set up so and like i said also having having the fiber there uh, across the the system for the membership is it's huge
0: so just a quick kind of like education piece so we've both thrown out substation and feeder so the substation if you're not familiar with that those are those like big they kind of look like power plants yeah. but they're always with the they have like big electrical lines they've got the big chain, chain link fences around them you're yeah. not supposed to go in there do not ever, go in there. ever ever and then feeders are the lines that run from that central point to your home so that's yeah. the line you see either underground or going overhead correct
3: yes i explained it a lot to people like the breaker box in your house that would be your substation and each breaker that may run your kitchen or your bedroom or so on and so forth, that would be a feeder. So it's it's a, an individual circuit coming out of that breaker box or substation.
0: The other thing that always blows me away that I think ASUS <clears throat> has done a phenomenal job of highlight, highlighting is both of you have talked about all the planning and all the forward thinking. Nick, you said you've been here for 10 years, and this is basically something you've been working on for 10 years, right? Bobby, you've been in the co-op world for 20 years, and this – This ability to look forward and say, not just what do we need on this line, this feeder for today, but what are we going to need when we come back to this line? And that is one of the things that has always so impressed me with OEC, is this willingness to make investments today that will benefit us for future generations.
2: Absolutely, yeah. I mean... It's, it's a difference of the utility world versus anywhere else. I mean, you put a pole in the ground, uh, you know, you want it to be there at least 35 years, but we have good poles that are 50, 60, 70 years old. You know, the, a lot of this stuff is going to, uh, you're going to retire before somebody ever touches it again, and you can't just plan for the next week. Um, uh, we, we have a lot of economic models that we run um, to try to figure out what's the most cost efficient thing over the lifetime, not the most cost efficient thing up front, because uh, through system hardening, I mean, how many poles can we hit in an hour?
3: I mean, it really just depends on the the area and the logistics of it. The the terrain plays a big feature I mean, in it. 20, um, 40? Well, I, I can give a pretty good example. We just finished a feeder that was a little, mm, about thirty miles long, approximately, and it took us ten working days, mm-hmm. something like that. So, two two. And it. that's that's five <clears throat> five to six two man crews, you know. Hitting it pretty hard, but
2: but you look at every one of those poles and everything on those poles, and you think about that labor cost versus uh, the way that most utilities do it is something breaks and someone has to travel an hour or two, maybe, maybe at night. So it's overtime, it's double pay, it's time and a half. Um, they get extra hours for doing it to go change out that one part, and uh, that part was going to fail either way. And we get we just got you know, you get huge money savings by doing it. Uh, on your time, uh, you know, it's kind of uh, it's like your car. It's so much cheaper to take your car in and change your belt or something th- like that versus breaking down in the middle of nowhere and getting a tow truck and taking a day off work. And now now you have to deal with it, regardless if it's a good time or not or a cheap time or not. So and then all of those savings, you know, being a cooperative, all those savings pass through to our member base.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great point, Nick. So you talked about how utilities in general, their nature is reactionary, but. To Autumn's point, uh, OEC is so proactive in our approach, and ACES is just the next step in making us even more proactive um, and adaptive, to use the, te- <laughs> the technical terms for it all. But yes, I think this is all phenomenal, and, and the fiber enhancement um, to our membership does go beyond internet, TV, and phone. Um, it, it, it really does enhance their electric service and, and add reliability to it all.
3: It affects us in the control room, uh, too. It's very positive there. Um, I can remember years and years past, um, you know, we have a SCADA system, which basically controls all of our electrical grid and sending commands to those devices. And one, it either takes what seems like eternity, you know, 10 seconds, 20 seconds, or you may even get a failure if, you know, back when we were on the cell phone. So just like your typical phone, some places have good service, some don't and now it's i mean it's almost instant instantaneous so it's a super it's a, it's a, it's a super good deal for for all of us
0: what else haven't we asked that we need to ask what fun facts any anything else we need to know before we let this wealth of knowledge walk out of this very charming room the
2: <laughs> <laughs> um i guess kind of the future for aces probably is um, you know kind of that being adaptive is being ready for a changing world you know, five or 10 years, uh, you know, the last 80 years, electricity's kind of been the same, but we're looking at everyone maybe having electric vehicles, having electric money, everyone works from home and just a very changing space. Um, you know, for liability, obviously this, this puts us in a good position, but, um, kind of some potential that the system does that we haven't unlocked yet is it'll do a lot of, um, uh, maximizing of the energy. So we can not invest in more electrical equipment and energy can kind of move back and forth throughout the grid. Um, so you can kind of, uh, spread the energy around to maximize all of, cause a substation is two and a half to $5 million takes three, three to five years to build. Um, and if you could in real time kind of balance that energy, you could put off or completely avoid, um, making those investments. So that's something that we're going to be working on.
3: Well, on that's that's a cool, that's something two. cool that I don't think we really touched on too much. Not only does it isolate and backfeed when there is a fault or a problem on the line, it also recognizes overload situations, whether that be current or wire conductor size, and it will automatically backfeed and switch line according to what's uh, what's needed at that moment.
0: So again, because I think that's another phenomenal point, but to put it in what I'm going to call like normal human <laughs> speak, um, what that means is sometimes, so let's say we have, just for easy math, 10 substations on our system. Eight of those might be underutilized 80% of the time. These aren't real numbers. I'm making these up. Uh, Nick, our engineer, is cringing inside. He's like, none of this is real. Uh, no, that would be
3: perfect scenario. That would be, that would be a perfect
0: scenario. And then two of those are maybe getting close to being overutilized. What this gives us the capacity to do is basically just exactly what we do with the larger grid and the SPP is share that electricity amongst everybody so that we are making sure everybody has the, the caliber and the quantity of electricity that they need to meet to your point, Nick, their growing needs. So Mm -hmm. it's, it has capabilities far beyond what, what you just think of uh, off the top of your head. Well, thank you guys for sharing your, your expertise, but also for your vision in rolling this project out. I think none of us, uh, we, we cannot, undersell or oversell, pardon me, we cannot overemphasize how powerful and profound the impact of this ACE system will be long-term for our members and for, honestly, for the co-op and for the financial stability and in the, in the forward thinking. So wonderful having you here this morning and even better, wonderful having your expertise on the OEC team.
2: Thank you so much, Adam. Thanks for having us here. Appreciate your
3: time.
0: can find us at okcoop.org and oecfiber.com.
1: Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.